god, he on X Games mode. Oh, hi, Jake. Welcome to episode 22 of Hatties and Homers, your local sports podcast for the Lou. We are glad to be back. Holy guacamole. I am here today with Michael Langston and Dylan Jason coming in all the way from Chicago. Hello. Boys, how you doing? I'm in like enemy territory right now, and it's been kind of scary. Behind enemy lines. (laughs) But since uh, the Blues are currently 5-0 and and the Hawks haven't won a game yet, it's it hasn't been too bad. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank our good friends at KWRH 92.9 FM for letting us use their studio. You can check them out on Instagram at KWRH 92.9 or at their website. You can find them at KWRH929.org or radiostl.com so thank you guys for letting us use the studio and uh tyler dylan it's been a minute it has it has indeed we haven't gotten a chance to sit down and record an ep since uh summer was it july something like that yes it was we got the thing up on the wall right there uh july 7th wow wow three months and some change yeah that's, a lot has happened since then. I'm at back at college, um, fucking studying some school right now, doing a lot of math, a little bit of psych and some statistics and some calc, some neuro, and some communication, which should help me out here since, you know, I do nurture some words pretty bad. Dill know how to communicate good. I know them words. Dill communicate hockey player language. Ah, <laughs> Tyler, what what have you been up to? Man, I had one job, and then I left that job. Now I have a different job. I was working in baseball. <laughs> now I'm back at my old job doing slightly different things, but essentially the same things. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at now. Michael's had some, uh, some, some big moves, big, big, big life moves. Yes, I have. So uh, with the, uh, with the job... Uh, with the Cardinals, that has you know come to an end because the season's come to an end. So now I'm over at KMOX uh, here in St. Louis, uh, running nice. the boards for uh, you know if you listen to Sports Open Line uh, with Kevin Wheeler, I'm on there sometimes. Sometimes I'm on at your service. Sometimes I'm over at KFDK. Uh, so nice. yeah, that's what I've been up to, kind of in the uh, the short term. But mm-hmm. now we're back here in studio and we're getting ready. To to talk about some blues hockey, give a recap on the Cardinals, uh, some other cool things that have been happening, especially with Mizzou football. Um, <laughs> but first, I think we, we got to um, start off with, with Puck well, Talk. Before, before we start, I want to say um, I've actually, well, I video, I'm volunteer assistant video coach for Lake Forest men's hockey team, and we actually have our home games coming up this weekend. Uh, Mindy and Jim will be in attendance. <gasps> Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go, Coded, uh, go! And it's like crazy because like I've been like with last year with COVID was tough because I just mainly did pre scouting stuff and then I was also at home so it was all you know just over the phone basically with the coach. But now it's like I'll be in the coach's office, I'll be in the locker room for video, I'll be up in the stands doing video during the game, and sometimes during practice I'll be in the office after the games. It's been crazy uh, of an experience. So it's just 
I want to say shout out to the men's hockey team for letting me uh, be a, a volunteer assistant there and learn how to do some coaching and hopefully we can pull some some good wins out of the season. Fuck yes, dude. We've got mm-hmm. two bachelor's degree holders and we've got a guy who's going to get it done while doing some fun hockey shit. Fucking love. Oh, that. I intend I intend to get a masters too, so I went up. Oh, dude, here. you're on my you're on my fucking track. Out of way. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> I got Tyler. master's degree shit I got to fucking get done like tonight or tomorrow. And it's all math, Dill, so you're going to have to fucking help me because I don't know shit with math. Two plus two equals sure. five in my brain. Yeah. I just did all my statistic homework, so I'm fresh on the math. Wait, Fuck it's it, actually statistics? Is it like actually statistics? Yeah, it's like variability and standard deviation. and. I'm going to fucking keep this on the down low right now, but uh, <laughs> like I'm going to be real for a second. Like, fucking help me <laughs> i'm dead I, I have no idea what i'm doing this bullshit <laughs> for a guy back. who watches a bunch of baseball you think you'd be better with numbers those stats are all fucking calculated for me i just gotta tell you what the fuck they mean <laughs> yeah i'll go back to school at hey, some point tyler has a job where we're going to school how does that feel I, I have a job too but it's not it's not you know we don't pay well <laughs> i i get 200 bucks and it's all going to a lego titanic that's great it's a good investment. It's sad. I was talking about it earlier. I had to go back to my old job to make better to make a livable wage. Oh, I know it sucks. And to be less stressed the fuck out. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is St. Louis uh, podcast. Good times. Okay, good times. let's start with some puck talk. Puck talk. Puck talk. Um. So let's see. So first off, I mean, I guess we're just going to go with who we got in free agency. And then go to the draft after that, Michael? Yeah. Uh, here, let me change the order a little bit. And I know right at the end we are definitely going to talk about what the hell is going on with the Blackhawks. Um, because the Blackhawks are not good people. They are bad people, very bad people, and they did bad people things. Uh, but first, um, the the Blues did a lot of good things this offseason, I think. Um, the, the people that we lost uh, weren't necessarily people who... I would have cried over losing and a couple good moves by army to get some guys that we really needed and help out with the cap. Oh yeah. Uh, I would say like they were people that we would be like, like I was like sad when I lost sports, but like there are people who like we replaced really well. For example, like Blay was a really good forward and like we've seen how well he's doing with the Rangers with some elevated ice time. Um, but Bushnevich was a great replacement for him. So it's, it's kind of, it's like we're in that win now mode where I think Blay in a couple of years would, is going to, you know, really solidify his spot and show his value versus what Bucinavich can do right now and how much he's going to get, get paid for. And also with Saad coming in, basically replacing Schwartz. Um, I think Saad is better offensively than Schwartz, but can do what he can do defensively as well. So I think Saad's one of the best third liners in the game because he's a, consistent 20 goal scorer and last year he put up eight points or 10 points in eight games no how much was it eight points in 10 games in the playoffs so when when you can fucking show up when it matters that's important too and we have a fight right now and Bennington just punched a as player in the face this club. let's fucking go oh wow yeah yeah this is crazy i fucking oh. love we're recording this right now on the 28th of october or so there's a uh there, there's a Blues game going on right now. We're playing the Avs. There's a scrum right in front of the glass where, uh, the where Bennington is in the second period. So it's where the Blues shoot twice. 
for people who don't watch right now. Ah, that's so. Um, I, I was in the. I was there for opening night. Right there, I got in the fucking post dispatch with that shit with those tickets yeah. right there. Look at you, Michael, getting noticed and everything. I was so confused because I'm holding the frosty cold beverage in my hand. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I had a lot of other images where I wasn't. And if you look at my brother's hands, he's holding nuts. So, right. Fair. Damn. So, okay, O'Connor, we're sh- uh, kind of pushed into the net. And then the net dislodged. He bumped into Bennington. He gave Wallman a shove with his stick. And then Bennington and Wallman just went after him. Good on Wallman. I, I don't Ooh. know if is Wallman really a guy who fights a lot because with the limited time I mean, that we no, saw him. I mean, he's him, not. I I wouldn't say he fights a lot, but he he's not going to back down from anything. Pareko just gave O'Connor a shot. Oh my god! Good on fucking Pareko. You know what? I love this fucking team because the fight Chen had with Kadri when we played them before, the fight Falk had with Kadri, the stuff in between the whistles, I'm really liking because it's not so aggressive but it's not it's subtle you know what i mean yeah and so i think it's a good uh mentality to have it's kind of like we're not going to back down and take shit for anyone we might be losing but we're not going to fucking stop playing and if you want to fucking if you want to challenge us we'll be right there yeah one of those guys i think that the blues uh could use in that kind of mentality and mindset just because he's got it it feels as though he's playing a bit with the chip on his shoulder james neal mm-hmm. coming in on a, a pto uh performing really well in the preseason he's one of those guys who can i mean he showed up uh in vegas and played really well but mm-hmm. he's he's one of those vets who who's willing to you know go out there and play hard if you know you fucking need someone to play a full 60 minutes even if you're getting your key or your teeth kicked in yeah, no, and he's smart too, and he's experienced, which helps a lot because we are really young with Thomas, Kairou, and neighbors playing, and in Costin, like we're super young. So it's really good for you guys to learn how to play and how to take each situation the right way, and what to do and what not to do, and that'll just help us out with the future. Um, going back to the key subtractions, done. That that was a big one that we lost just because we didn't really replace him in the off season, but I don't think we needed to because we have. Well, we have Krug and we have Falk and we have um, Perinovich in the minors. So that's a lot of offense from our D right now. And let's see, on the left side, who was, it was going to be Krug, Scandella, and Dunn if we had him. And then, then Perinovich uh, can, can basically just replace Dunn. Mikola has been have, like in and out. Uh, right. I don't know if Mikola, has Mikola played yet because Wallman's been playing super well. And I was reading about this in the Athletic, where Wallman was when he was getting drafted by teams and looked teams looking at him. He circled offensive defensemen, and he's kind of changed that in his game. That's what they were saying in the A when he went when he got elevated ice time, and he went to more of a two-way type player. His offense increased, but he didn't sacrifice as much defensively, and that's what Falk kind of said too when he was playing his first 43 AHL games before being called up was like. When it's not one of the things that you do well or that you're known for, it's really hard to learn, but it's really important if you want to get to the NHL. So I think with Wallman doing well defensively, that's what's had him stay in the lineup, and then he can attribute or contribute offensively when he can. And he's such a good skater, too. He can get in and out of position super well. As long as he's doing well defensively, he can hold his spot. I fucking love the contributions by every guy on this team because even though you lost Blay and Blay's doing pretty well in New York and he's getting to thrive and you got a guy like Ryan Reeves who's there to help him, 
um, and you mm-hmm. lost Schwartz and Dunn. Uh, but everyone on this team is contributing. It, it, through the first uh, three or four games, everyone except for James Neal had a point, and then in the home opener, uh, Neal gets on the score sheet finally. But yep. everybody at least has one point on this team. They're contributing offensively, uh, and then you have guys like Perron who are coming through and getting a fucking hat trick, playing yep. well, just beating up on, you know, you need to beat up on bad teams, and you're, you know, you're killing the fucking Kings. I love to see right. that. I hate the Kings. I think they're a bunch of fucking uh, fucks. Hey, my, my dad was drafted by the Kings. Okay, yeah, but here's the thing, okay? <laughs> here's the thing. He, where did he do training camp? I mean, back then they didn't have, like, rookie camp for anything, so, I mean, it was with the Blues. <laughs> exactly! My point is proof! <laughs> I know, but that's, if, if he didn't get drafted by the Kings, he wouldn't have gotten noticed by St. Louis. Okay, I, I strongly dislike the Kings. I strongly dislike the Kings. I hate the Blackhawks. I know you do. We all hate the Blackhawks. Shit, cockho, mm-hmm. Blackhawks is what they fucking are. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I dills heard me say that too many I fucking hate, times. I, with how bad the Hawks are, I might hate Boston a little more right now. Yeah, you, you can always hate on a bad team. We always hate the Cubs, right, Tyler? Oh, absolutely, yeah. bro. I, I have yeah. hate to spare. And, and the Red Sox. Oh fuck! But yeah, so you had all those uh, acquisitions uh, in the, that trade with the Rangers, and then you pick up Saad mm-hmm. from free agency. Uh, you might have got Landeskog, but instead you go with Saad, and then you pick up. You had two guys uh, with tryouts that really could have made it, but Neil ends up doing it in the end. Yeah, there's. A, I like a, Neil better just because he has more to his game than Froelich. Froelich's that another fourth line grind type guy where we don't really need him because we have that depth down there. Um. So it's almost like if you're going to sign to spend money, you might as well spend money on something that you need. And I think having Neil in that third-line position, basically going from third-line to fourth-line, that's going to be real key to our depth. Because over the last two playoff seasons, like when we've had injuries, our fourth line was bad. And right now we're dealing with a major one with Sunquist still being out after uh, uh-huh. his knee injury, and he's going to need to come back. Uh, you know, he still needs time to recuperate. He's out skating, and uh, he's doing one-on-one drills just to try and get better. But you, you, that depth that we had with the Stanley Cup run, you need a little bit of that. Oh, I completely oh, forgot okay. about one of the fucking subtractions that we made that's actually a pretty positive one. Zach Sanford's gone. Yeah, yeah. He was just taking up ice time, and... Like, uh, you, you could put him with O'Reilly and Perron like they did. It's just that you never knew what you were going to get from him. Sometimes he looked good, and other times in his D zone, he looked fucking terrible. Um, we got rid of him to clear cap space because we were signing Thomas to his new deal, which is great. Um, and then you also picked up not, Logan Brown, the, the local kid. Right. That was really cool to see. I skated with him, I think, a couple times in the summer, two to three times. Uh, he's got His dad's great. He's got great siblings, too. Um, really good hockey family, really good group of people. And he's a hard worker. It's just, I think with his injuries and everything, and that's what's kind of holding him back from, you know, really cracking an NHL lineup because we know he can put up numbers in the A. Um, so if he can have a healthy season down there and if we actually, we're so deep, it was really, I thought it was hard for him to make our lineup just because of how good we are, not like down the middle, which is, I know that's where he likes to play, but, uh, I think we, if he can do well down the A and then produce that in the NHL, he could have a bright future for us. Yeah, and with the depth uh, that you're talking about, right now Ryan O'Reilly is out with 
a uh, with positive COVID tests, and you know he'll be out at least ten days. You've got a, a couple options down uh, with the AHL Springfield Thunderbirds, who are the new affiliate for the Blues in the AHL out of Springfield, Massachusetts. You've got Dakota Joshua, who came up to replace O'Reilly, and then you've got Perunovic, who might be coming up soon. Mackenzie McEckern, uh, Nathan Walker, who's a bit more of a veteran presence, he can come up and play. Uh, Santini yep. also. Uh, Tommy Cross, maybe uh, a bit older, but he might be able to come up and fill in if you need to. Uh, so, and then of course, Logan Brown and maybe Sam Anas and a couple others. Um, but you know, you have, that's a good thing. I think with this year and the fact that you've already had a dip into your minors a bit is that you've got good depth that you can yeah. bring up and a guy can fill in. Like uh, yep. I'm going to be honest. I'm a big fan of Dakota Joshua. I like him. Yeah. Yeah, like, and it's a good thing to keep people honest because it, it knows their job's never secured, which is like, like I was talking to our coach here and I'm saying, you know, we have a lot of players who might be in and on the lineup every night and then and, and some guys are going to be scratched, but that's a good thing. It's, it's good to have competition. It's good to know that, hey, your job's never secured. Someone's always going to be there to replace you. And just having that reminder in the back of your head makes you a better player. Um, just it, just don't get worried about it. You know what I mean? If you're there for a reason, so just play your game and keep it simple, and you'll be fine. It's when you start overcomplicating things, that's when you start to lose focus and you you start not to play well. So I think it's great to have Joshua. He can just come in the lineup, be a fourth line center, and he plays our role really well too. Gets puck in deep. He can set a tone like Costin was doing when he was in the fourth line to get that four check going. Who the um, play fuck physical, is Joel take Qu- care of your Quin- zone. Quinville. Quinville. <laughs> oh, Tyler, 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 Tyler. What happened? What's Tyler saying? He asked, uh, "Who is Joel Quinville?" He used to coach. He used to coach the Blues. He, ah. I think he's the winningest coach in Blues history, if he, I'm not mistaken, in has. terms of wins with the Blues. Resigned as the. Did he just resign no, as the Panthers did he head just coach? Resign. Yeah. Oh, fuck! His well, team's well, undefeated. We'll, we'll get to that in a second because Joel Quinville was coach of the Blackhawks when that huge scandal came out. Um, yeah, he he was the one who got them their three tops. <laughs> he's been uh, he coached the Blues, uh, got us a President's Trophy. Um, mm-hmm. Then we got knocked out in the first round. Went to Chicago, won three Stanley Cups with the Hawks, and has now been. Uh, I think he's the second when he has coached in history behind Bowman. I think so. It's either he's second or third because Hitch is right there too. Right. Um, and uh, now he's been coaching the Florida Panthers for what, two, three years? I think two years. This is his second year. Well, this was his second year. Yeah. Um, so we'll get we'll get to the Blackhawks shit in a second because we, we never miss an opportunity to talk shit on the Blackhawks. But this is really serious with what the Blackhawks have done. Um, but, but uh, Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, speaking well, on the I've... on the on the depth shit though, the Blues you pick up four guys in the draft too, and while you know they're some of them I think are still going to be playing in juniors at least for a, another yeah. year or two. Um, I, I'm I'm liking what we did. Uh, go for two right wingers, well, a center, and a D man. Um, before and I you go get to across, that, the I want to touch for it. on. Before I get to that, sorry, I wanted to touch on Dunn one more time. Yeah, um, he scored. Didn't he score the first cracking goal at home, I think? Yeah, I think he did, yeah. Uh, in, in their home opener. But the thing is with him was that, because I was reading that thing about Wallman. When Wallman played with Dunn, he was on ice, I think, for 15 goals against. And then when he was on the ice with anyone else, he was only against 
six goals. So I was like, Dunn's really good at the offensive part, but because that's what I forgot to touch on was with Peronovic coming up and Krug having be left-handed too, we don't want three offensive defensemen on the left side. We need some variation. Um, and so it's just, I like Dunn at times, and other times he was a liability in his own zone. And with that being the case, um, it really hurt us in times when he coughed up the puck and the other team would score. So it's like I, I'm going to miss what Dunn brought in terms of the offense, but I think it's going to be replaceable with Krug and then Peronovich coming up sometime in the future. And then uh, who, with the D depth, when we bring in mm-hmm. Tyson Galloway, who is uh, the Blues' uh, only defensive pick from the draft, got drafted 145th overall uh, in the fifth round out of the Calgary Hitmen. Um, he is a guy who is that bigger D-man presence that we've kind of been missing ever since uh, Petro and Bo Meester left. And, you know, you have – Dunn is not a tall D-man per se. Right. And so you get this guy who he's still, you know, he's going to be a, it's going to be a little bit before he makes the, make it to the, but he's 6'4", 201 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to get a little bit bigger for the NHL standards in terms of weight, but he has that height for a defensive defenseman. I don't even know what he plays, but I assume he's defensive uh, where he can shut guys down and he has a really good stick. So it's like, like look at us when we beat the Hawks in 2016, 20. 17, I think that's what it was. Or was it 2016 when we went to the Western Conference Final? Oh, yeah, when um, we lost to the Sharks, yeah. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, when we got Pareko, and that was his first year, we put him against Hosa because Hosa's that big power forward you could skate, and Pareko was like, I'm just going to match you the whole time. And it worked. And then I was actually talking with uh, Colin Kane, who's he's Patrick Kane's cousin, and he was saying, like, you know, Patty hated playing against fucking Pareko because his stick's so long. He's so good defensively. He's not out of position a whole lot. You don't have a lot of time when he's closing down on you because with the backside pressure the Blues had that year and his stick length, it's, you got to make a decision quick or he's got to be out of position, which is rare. Um, so, yeah, it's really good to hear how we keep getting those big defensemen who can hopefully help us improve. Uh, do D take a longer time, as we've seen with Wallman, to adjust the NHL? And even Edmondson, look how well he's doing with Montreal, like his passing was really questionable when he was with us. I, he was in on the lineup, I think, in the playoffs <clears throat> when we won the cup. But to see that he has his passing down and he can play top four minutes is, is really good to see. But typically defensemen age really well between like 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. I mean, fuck, Lidstrom didn't get his first Norris till he was 30. Fuck, and Bo Meester was the old fucking man of the time when we won the cup. Um, mm-hmm. that, that shit, too. Uh, but you know the Blues, uh, you have all of that. But there, I think there was one thing over the off season that was really hanging over us. Um, and this is a little bit of an off season recap too, uh, just because of the fact that it had been so long since we recorded an episode. There was all the drama with Vladimir Tarasenko and would yeah. he get traded? And we we've been talking about depth, and Vladdy is a huge depth piece. He's a huge piece of the cap. Um, and the there were only a few teams that he was willing to waive his full no trade clause for. Um, and a, right. deal, a deal didn't get done. Uh, but you know what's weird is you watch him in that home opener and the crowd cheering for him. It, it seems as though Vladdy and the Blues have at least made some sort of amends. And Vladdy yeah. seems a, at least happy to be here. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I think he had to sit down with O'Reilly and Army and Berube, and they were just say, hey, look, we couldn't get a deal that we liked. You're going to come to training camps with us, training camp with us. And, you know, Vlad, he's a grown-up. He knows what he has to do. He's obviously going to play well if he does want to be traded. Um, but I think, like, I don't know. There, there's been speculation that he still wants to get traded. I don't think so. Like, because if the team does really well, why would you want to leave? Like, that's the whole point. If you're having fun, if you're happy, the team's doing well, you're scoring, why leave? Like, there's not a better situation. Um, I think it's really cool that we're having playing on the third line with Thomas because Thomas does need that help with someone who could put the puck in the net. And it, help, it helps him a lot to get creative. And so I think the whole thing with Vladdy really came down to that. If you had that, like, that meeting I said, they probably sat down, they talked, and, you know, like I said, Vladdy's a big boy. He's going to work his dick off for whoever his, he plays for. That's, that's the way you do it. Um, you don't want to be a distraction in the locker room. And everyone gets what you're going through. I mean, you're fighting for your contract. You're fighting for your career. And if, like I said, how many times last year were people bugging him about how, his playing style? He hasn't played in two years since his fucking surgery. He was taken off the shooting uh, spot on the power play to where he was the screen from the net. Okay, so he's shooting less. Um, and we're, when you produce less because you're not in the spot that you used to be and the fans start hating on you, you're like, okay, we're losing. I don't get any love anymore. Why would I be here? And I think, he, you know, he's young too. I mean, these guys are, what, 29, 30 years old? But, I mean, this, they've never been through anything like this before. So, I mean, I would say he kind of made an overreaction. You know, when you're not in the right emotional state, you do things that you may not like really mean like we all know that if you're angry you're gonna have a different reaction to something if you're happy so it's always good to know like make a decision when you're emotionally just at your equilibrium you're not one way or another so i think you know you got him to calm down a little over the summer you got in touch with the guys Bucci average coming over to uh, another russian guy from the talk to is good um i just think you know he's gelling really well with the team the team looks great so far uh, tonight's probably not their best game since they had since the start of the season, but with all the injuries coming in and out and people going in on the lineup, it's not surprising. And I think we're tired, too, because we've been on this high for such a long time. So I think we're going to have a bright future. It's great to see that he's back, especially his two goals against L.A. in the second game. He was the only one, like, people were like, well, we should trade him when his stock goes. And I'm like, um, he was the only one to score with a goal in the net that night, and you want to get rid of him. Why? Yeah. And we talked about how great our depth is. He's our third line right winger, technically speaking. He's getting first line ice time. He's, on he's the last line. Blues player to score 40 goals in a season, and we've got him on uh-huh. the third line just because of how good the depth is. Well, it's just like he, about it's all about ice time. So it's like first line, fourth line. If you're playing regular shift, power play, penalty kill, you're getting 18 minutes a night at forward. But are you on the fourth line technically or third line or wherever? Sure. But it's all about ice time. You know what I mean? He's first-line power play, and he's going to be out there. And like I said, Berube's going to mix and match him with people depending on the situation. So if, if you have the offense going, you might mix up the line and say, hey, fucking uh, go out there for Neil, because Neil might be on the second line with uh, Kairou and Shen when Bucinavis was out. Or, you know what I mean, you can you can fluctuate him anywhere where if you're, if you're looking for that offensive instinct where, you know, the other team's tired, you can throw him out there. So that's how else he's going to get his playing time. So it's all about minutes. It's, I don't want to hear this first, second, third line stuff. Like, 
yeah, he's on our third line. That's technically one of the best third lines in the league. I bet that's almost better than half the team's second lines with Saad, Thomas, and Tarasenko at a fully healthy line. Yeah, it's pretty gross. You you have that fucking great line, and then to go back a little bit to the trade shit. Number one, you're you're at a perfect start to the season now. The Avs are probably going to end up ending that tonight. Um, that's a huge yeah. thing that you need to pay attention to is the fact that it's a perfect start to the season. Um, and this team is is even though you know you may lose tonight, this team is still a hot team uh, right out of the gate, and you've got guys contributing. But there was a, another thing in the off season that really uh, was said a lot, and there were a lot of rumors around it. And it's kind of come back a little bit, but not necessarily with the way that uh, we were kind of anticipating. Not 100% sure if it's actually going to go through or not. And, uh, Dill, you and I were talking about it. I don't know if it will. Um, Jack Eichel uh, is still on the trade block for the Sabres. I, I had envisioned or at least heard of something where it would be Eichel for Tarasenko just because of the cap problems. But... Um, there, there's no way that I think that Tarasenko would waive his no trade clause for that, and I don't think there's a, a key way to that it's going to happen where Army's going to be able to pull it off and keep what he wants to keep on this squad. If we're, you know, approaching Buffalo for another, you know, fleece type trade like we had with O'Reilly, right? Um, I don't see it happening. Really? Just like I said, what are we going to give up in order to get Eichel? Are you going to give up Cairo or Thomas or Kostin and Perunovic and then Vladi as well? Like maybe maybe back then before Vladi stock rose, but because that's a little much now. So it's like, I don't know, it depends on the asking price. Like I said, if Gretzky can get traded, anyone can get traded, obviously. But the price that we have to pay, is, is it worth it? You know what I mean? So it's like I don't see us having the assets where we give up for Jack Eichel and we're still a playoff team because I said our depth is one of the best in the NHL right now. So if we give up that depth to get Eichel, who are we going to replace that depth with? Like I said, when we got O'Reilly, we got rid of Saboka, Berglund, Tage Thompson, and two first and a first-round pick and a second-round pick. But then we got O'Reilly, we got David Perron, and we got Bozak, and we got Maroon. So, like, we upgraded everything in that trade. If we trade that midseason now, where are we going to get a depth from? You know, it's, it's, it's not the offseason. We can't sign people. We have to trade for more people. So, unless it's like a multi-team trade, possibly, I don't see it really happening. I And I think the Blues are one of the teams where they get into the mix just to stir the pot a little. I heard that was a little bit of a rumor according to the Taylor Hall trade that happened, I think, two years ago, three years ago. Uh, Arizona and New Jersey. So, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if, like, um, if that's the case where we're just stirring the pot to see what we can do, see what we can get out of it. Um, but I don't see it really happening unless you want to give it, like, one of the draft guys we were going to talk about, Zachary Bolduc, who he, he played with uh, Alexis Lafreniere his first year, put up some good numbers, had a little bit of an injury season, had a sophomore slump in his second year junior. But he's a hell of a player, too, who reminds me a lot of, of Thomas, good puck making skills, good playmaking skills, good, good hands. Um, so I, I don't know, like, how much is Jack Heichel worth right now in terms that he's going to need surgery and he's not going to be able to play for the whole season, if even the season. Yeah, I, I, I would only really necessarily be okay with the Jack Heichel trade if somehow Vladdy ends up leaving and you need to replace that depth. It would kind of be like, Tyler, do you remember we made the trade with 
uh, Tampa where we got Matthew Libertor. Yes. Um, and we it was considered at the time that we were going to use Libertor as trade bait to get Arenado. Absolutely. Uh, so the only reason I would be okay with a trade like this would be if you trade Vladdy and then get pieces that either A, you're going to be able to use uh, uh, soon that would completely bolster the squad, or you can use them as trade bait to then go and get Eichel and immediately fill that gap. That's the only way I would necessarily be okay with that. Right. Yeah, I don't, like I said, it's a very specific cost for Eichel, and I don't know if we have that, and I don't know if we want to get rid of that either. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting where he goes and how it plays out. Um, I have no clue where he's going to go because the asking price for him is so high. I don't know if that's changed or not, but God damn, they were asking for a lot for a guy who's not going to play yeah. this season. Um, that's no, it, but, It's just fucked. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, and, and that sucks because it's his body. He should have the right to choose what he wants done to it. It's his neck. He, he's going to have, like they said, the, the surgery that he has, it's a disc replacement. Um, it, it's because if you get the fusion that guarantees surgery in the future versus a replacement, you can get it and not have to get surgery again. So that's his thought process. And now the team's saying, no, you can't do this when he's trying to play, he's trying to be healthy. He's trying to do well for your organization, which ironically, how maybe how bad of a cancer was he considering how good of a start Buffalo started to? Yeah, exactly. Do we want him if he's like that in the locker room? That that was the other thing I was looking at. Do you really want a cancer in the locker room like that? Yeah, I don't know. The, I don't know the full story if he is or not. It's just a rumor. But take a chance and like I find out more information about him before you commit to him. I don't know. Well, right I, now, I mean, O'Reilly would play with him, so we could ask him. But yeah, um, O'Reilly would be the yeah. only other guy that would really you know know at this moment in time that's on the Blues. Um, right. But, uh, you know, the Blues off to a great start with all that being said. Um, the depth is there. We're seeing, you know, there will be a bit more development with our draft picks. Um, despite the uh, uh, subtractions, the additions seem to be working well. Things seem to be going well for the Blues. But uh, even though we're a St. Louis-centric podcast, oh, we would... Wait, 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 wait. My bad. Before we jump, I want to say the best thing we have from... The guys we picked up, Buchnevis and Saad. I don't know if you noticed this, Michael. Sorry, I just didn't want to. I no, 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 do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Our speed is so much better. Yes, it is. I, I've noticed that. Buchnevis yeah. is fast. Saad is fast. They drive the rush. They can get pucks in and make plays still. They can beat guys out of the zone. It's like, oh, my God, we're bra- like, we look so different than we did last year. And, and you, you know what? Even watching the 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 home opener without those two guys on there there it seemed as though the mentality was so much different with speed because we were mm-hmm. we were beating the kings to the pucks left right and center we'd do dump and chases and we'd beat fucking guys to the puck and defensively we'd be beating guys to the puck we'd beat them on every side of the puck just with the speed alone i i i've noticed it too it is fucking awesome right I think it's a huge plus for us. And, like, you, like Vladdy's back. Like, the game against Vegas, he was buzzing. And I was like, oh, my God. He went out like a shot out of a cannon in that. I think it was the – I'm trying to think what period was it. I forgot which. But when he came back down, he beat uh, – I think it was Theodore. He beat Theodore down the wall and cut to the middle and just missed the net on his breakaway shot. But 
God, he looks so good. And it's just good to see Kairou can skate like that. Thomas can skate like that. Javis can skate like that. Saad can skate like that. Shen's a good skater. Barbashev can skate. It's And what a first five games he's having, too. He has a five-game point streak going on right now. and um, It's great to see how he's such a good depth player who if we didn't leave Tarasenko open, they probably would have taken – and if we protected Dunn, too, they, they probably would have taken him, which would have hurt us a lot considering what he's done the first five games. So that's uh, great to see all the guys, you know, fully invested, fully committed, and attributing to the team and their role. Yeah. Uh, with, with all the positives about the Blues being said, we'll go through this quickly because we've been on Puck Talk for a little while. Uh, and then sorry. We'll, No, no, it's okay. I'm sorry. You're sorry. Okay, I'm so we're, we're, sorry. Tyler, we're Canadians. Oh, oh <laughs> get the maple syrup. Uh, Is that a moose? We, <laughs> Oops, sorry. Oh, I look out for the Monty. We got we got a handful of them on the team here. They're great guys all over the place from London, Ontario, Ottawa. Regina. Calgary. Some Saskatchewan boys out. No, oh, Saskatoon. Some from Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, shout out to the Canadian boys. Anybody from the Northwest or Yukon territories? <laughs> uh, Yeah, this guy named... His name I cannot pronounce. We call him Q. Uh, <laughs> fuck, there actually is somebody. The fuck. He's from way the fuck up there. Um, way up the in Saskatoon. Fuck up there, he's a great guy. He's fucking big, too. I think he bench pressed 275. Jesus. Fuck. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, don't that, fuck with Q. That's a fucking hockey player right there. <laughs> Uh, he squatted 390. Yeah. So fucking, uh, we, we had all those positives with the Blues, and you had the positives with uh, Dylan's awesome Canadian boys. Um, but now uh, we got to talk just briefly on the shit that's happening with the Blackhawks because uh, it involves a former Blue, uh, the winningest coach in St. Louis Blues history in terms of record-wise with uh, Coach uh, Quenville. Um, essentially, if you don't know what happened... Um, or if you only know a little bit of it, the moral of the story is a video coach sexually uh, assaulted a former player with the Blackhawks who has since come out as Kyle Beach. Um, And there's a lot more to it. And, Dill, I know you've been reading a lot of the reports, so I want to make sure that you're the one who says the information because you know Uh, the most about it. Well, we were at lunch today talking with the boys, um, and I was like... Like everyone was talking about the news because there's news about this and there's news about the Washington football team head coach who had some sexual harassment um, stuff thrown against him too. So we're just like, man, sports are really messed up right now. And I was, someone was like, did you read it from the actual players? And I was like, no. And so I read the actual investigation and it had the actual incident where like, so uh, beach comes home from the road he was living in a hotel at that time. I think they were out partying the night before. I think it was right before they went to San Jose. Um, and so they're in between a series. So they're, you know, letting off a little steam and they have enough time where, you know, the black aces go out. They got hung over. If, if someone doesn't know what a, uh, what a black ace is. Okay. So basically you have your 23 man roster and then you, a black ace is anyone who's outside of that, that was called up for playoffs because of in case of injury and the blues just scored from Shen um, from Cairo Fuck by yeah. the way anyway three two guys anyway so um, he was a black ace he was one of the guys called up he was actually a high pick he was 12th overall 
uh, I forgot what year. I think 2008, maybe. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I can double check that. But anyway, he was a high pick. He was staying with the Black Aces, um, which is like they have their own skate. Typically, when the team's done with their practice, they go out get some reps in case they have to get called in for a game in case you know three injuries happen. So what happens is he's with the video coach. He gets a text. He's like, "Hey, come over to my place. I can make you some dinner." Uh, we can watch some video just to improve your game. And he was saying how, like, he, if if he tells Quinville that, hey, this guy's working on, he's looking good, you're probably going to get called up and get more ice time. So um, initially, uh, Beach said no. I'm I'm hungover from the night before. But then he, all the guys he went out with were staying home. And Beach was like, you know, I haven't had a cooked meal in so long because he's been in a hotel for two months after getting, you know, called up to Chicago. So he's like, you know, I'll go over there. It'd be nice to have a meal, and we can learn some more stuff about hockey with the video coach. So video coach has him come over. He's cooking him dinner. He gave him, I think, I think he's making some type of seafood or something. He gave him that dinner. But he, then he got him drunk with, like, I think he had three drinks, and he denied a fourth. And I'm assuming there was more than one shot in the drink. Um, so, I mean, he probably had six shots within an hour and a half. They start watching hockey. They sit on the futon, which was said to be like 75% reclined. Then it falls all the way to the ground to full extension. The hockey game's still on. Then this, uh, apparently the uh, video coach was like clicking through the channel when it was commercial or one of the hockey programs. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Now the abs just forward. Um then he'd go back to the hockey program. They went back to porn for 10, 20 seconds, go back to the hockey program. And the third time he just left it on porn and he was started touching himself, told the guy to start touching himself. Beach said, no. Uh, he said again, Beach was like, no, I'm uncomfortable. Then the third time he put his hand in his pants and said, Hey, are you happy? And then, uh, the, Aldrich is actually the guy's the, the video coach's name said no I'm not happy um, went to grab Beach Beach got a hold of him punched him in the face and then um, Aldrich grabbed the baseball bat with a mini baseball bat from like a Cubs game and said if if you don't do this I'll make sure you play in the NH- you don't play in the NHL or you won't ever walk again and so like you can imagine Beach having you know, probably six, seven shots of alcohol in him. He was shocked. He just froze, couldn't move. And then basically, I won't get into all the gory details, but Aldridge sexually assaulted him bad. And then when he was finished, Aldridge went to the bathroom, Beach left the apartment, and just ran back home, got a taxi, went back to his room, locked himself in his room. And it's just like, no player should ever have to go through that. I don't care what league, NHL or house, that's just super uncalled for. It's illegal. It's violating another human being. Um, and that should never be part of the game of hockey or any sport ever. And uh, uh, we broke the news. Uh, we talked about the news about Joel Quinville getting uh, the ax yeah. because he was coach at the time and uh, the players knew about it. Uh, the coaches knew about it. The ownership knew about it. That's why you saw Bowman yeah. resign. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the like what players knew about it. There's there's a bunch of rumors going around. This is all going to get sorted out in the next days, weeks, whatever. Um, as we find out more information, I think one of the things about Quinville was I don't know if this came from him or this came from the organization putting pressure on him to say this, but they they there's something in the report that said you know he, they can't be 
messing around with the team right now. They can't afford this distraction. So they decided not to pursue it until the playoffs were over. And that's, that's what my understanding was that Q was in a kind of between a rock and a hard place because I think he really wanted to help out Beach. But if he did at that time, I don't know if it was Bowman would have fired him or the owners would have fired him. I don't know what was going to happen if Cornville didn't comply. So I don't know if he did that by free will or if there was pressure on him to do that. Um, it's just a really bad situation to be in. I really hope they can, you know, give Beach some justice and, and do the right thing here. Um, it's just, like I said, it's a terrible situation to be a part of. And, uh, Beach right now is playing professionally uh, out in uh, Germany, so yeah. But best to him. Um, and but like we, one of the reasons probably he didn't make it in the NHL is because he had this insane amount of stress going on with him, and this guy was just abusing the shit out of him. And no one was coming to help him. No, exactly. He was yeah. left out to dry by his management, his owners, everybody. So I think it's just. When you're part of the team, you feel like they have your back, and when they don't, it really hurts. It, it is fucked, and uh, well, we'll leave it here because there will be more that comes out about this in the future. We know that for a fact, um, mm-hmm. and developments will keep going. Um, but I think that's it for Puck Talk. Dill, we went on for about 45 minutes again, which we, <laughs> we, we managed to do that a lot. But hey, when we, there's a lot of stuff in the hockey world to talk about, even though it's red at the beginning of the year. You, you talk about it. But uh, Tyler... I think it's time that we do a little bit of chirp and chatter and talk about our Cardinals. How about that? Oh, man. Are we going to get deep and dirty with our birds? Fuck yes. Oh, man. These dirty birds? Oh, boy. All righty. So uh, it's been a minute. Been a minute since we've been with you lovely people and talked some baseball. Uh, In that whole span of time, uh, a season happened, like a whole half of fucking baseball season we went from death and despair to holy shit we're in the playoffs yeah the cardinals uh started winning and winning and then they didn't stop winning for like 17 goddamn games but yeah uh cardinals season uh ended up second place in the national league central i didn't think that would be possible at uh, certain times throughout this year but they made it happen um did earn themselves a playoff spot made it to the wild card round in which they took the uh, Dodgers uh, uh, full nine innings um, t- of tied baseball, and then uh, and then a man by the name of Chris Taylor went ahead and uh, ended our season on a walk off home run. Very sad. Uh, but in the midst of that, in the midst of that uh, that amazing September the Cardinals had, uh, they snapped off a seventeen game win streak, which is the best in franchise. History, hundred and what twenty five plus years of St. Louis Cardinals baseball, never before had it been done, and I think too this was one of the first times in baseball history. This is one of the longest winning streaks in baseball history, period, um, and it was one of the only ones to have ever happened entirely in the month of September. Which most of the time you see these teams with these win streaks, it's in the middle of the summer, maybe a little bit earlier in the year. It doesn't happen in September when everyone's tired and the season is winding down. This shit, that entire win streak doesn't happen uh, unless you have everybody on board, everybody ready to go, a real sense of urgency to want to push for the playoffs. And you saw that with uh, guys really stepping up and doing something big like Luis Garcia, like TJ McFarland out of the bullpen, really showing themselves as big, big pieces of the Cardinals' plan. 
And then Tyler O'Neill's back coming alive. Paul Goldschmidt coming alive. Every fifth day, you could you could guarantee that Wayno wasn't going to give up runs, and he just he didn't. Wayno didn't give up runs, and that was amazing. And then of course, um, you that that just the rotation too. John Lester and Jay Happ, two old as fuck dudes coming in, and while you know they weren't guys who did everything. They were guys who did something. And that's what you needed. You needed people to come in and fill those holes that were being left by Michaelis being hurt, by Kim kind of falling off, uh, by Flaherty getting hurt. And they came in, and at the time, you're like, you gave up John Gant and Lane Thomas for that? At the end of the season, you're like, you gave up John Gant and Lane Thomas for that. Yeah, no, those those were some harsh moves. I mean, I, I don't think there was a... There was a Cardinal fan out there that saw much sense in in the moves they made at the at the trade deadline, um, and then we you know we got to a point in time where having veteran arms who had been there and could just provide innings, and and fucking throw strikes became really valuable. Um, so once again, it kind of became a thing where uh, I I don't know. There's a reason we are. Uh, couch GMs and not and not in a front office. Yeah, we're we're no we're no Mo, we're no Gersh. Speaking of Gersh, um Mike Gersh, the general manager for the Cardinals, uh got a request to be interviewed by the Mets for their president of baseball operations job. He turned it down though. He wants to stay in St. Louis. And then Mo got into a little bit of uh let's say just controversy because um let let's rewind a bit. Wild card game, Mike Schilt uh, makes a call to the bullpen in the ninth inning. Cardinals looking to try and push it to the 10th. And when, you know, in that scenario, do you bring in Luis Garcia? Do you stick with Giovanni Gallegos? Um, or no, Gallegos was hurt, so you couldn't go with Gallegos. Um, but do you go to Cody Whitley out of the bullpen? Instead, he goes with Alex Reyes, and Alex Reyes is the one who gives up the home run to Taylor by hanging a slider. Um a little bit after that, they do their, you know, postseason meetings, all that. They kind of figure that out. And out of the blue, John Moselock uh, calls a press conference and announces that Mike Schilt has been fired and let go of his let go from his position for philosophical differences, um, which complete shock to him, complete shock to the fan base, and doesn't really expound on why. It's just philosophical differences. Right, and what, you know, it, it, it's worth pondering. What what were those philosophical differences? Is it with uh, pitching? Is it with it? Right. Are, a, a lot of the speculation is that it's on hitting, but right. Do we are we are we talking bullpen usage? Or are we talking that one singular move? Are we talking the just the sheer amount of second half blown games from Alex Reyes? Do do we are are we pointing at the lack of offensive production um april through august um yeah it's hard to point with those philosophical differences could have been is mo putting all of his uh eggs in one basket on something and schilt is against it and mo says all right i'm i'm going with Moe's like, all right, I'm going with I want, and Schilt, if you're not on board, I'm letting you go. Right. I think they. I think this was the move of Mike Schilt's very talented at his job, and he's going to find a job somewhere. Um, but the Cardinals are in a space right now where they want 
the young guy who they can 100% mold in the in the image of what they want for their future. And Schilt prop not probably Schilt wasn't that guy. Schilt has his own style of management, and uh, they chose to go another route. Yeah, they go instead with Ali Marmol, who really good friends with Schilt. Um, bench coach under Schilt came up in the organization, uh, drafted by the Cardinals out of college. Uh, he'd been previously drafted out of high school. Uh, Marmol didn't really play that much above, uh, I think, uh, a ball with Palm Beach. Worked his way up uh, through the organization as a coach. Eventually became a bench coach in the majors. He'll be the new manager. Cardinals apparently might have considered outside uh, people like Skip Schumacher. Matt Holiday said if he got a call, he'd love to interview for it. Um, there's a, you know, Marmol's going to be here. Um, and there was a lot of speaking, too, that it was Schilt being let go. Would he be the new manager for the Padres? But we found out earlier tonight that's not going to happen. Bob Melvin's your new manager of the Padres. So we got a vacancy in Oakland. We got a vacancy in Oakland. And it, you know what? Oakland, though, Oakland doesn't look like they're willing to spend money right now. No, not. I, when are they? Yeah. Um, and, and then you've got uh, New York where they might spend money, but they're dysfunctional as hell. Yeah, Mets are going to Met. Uh, worth noting, I think Ali's the youngest manager in baseball. He's at, only in his like mid thirties, right? Five, yeah. Yeah, Bueno's older than him. Yeah, yeah, he has multiple guys on his team that are uh, a bit older, a couple years his senior. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, so you you have all of that that is going on, uh, the, and then you you've got people that are coming back too, which is good that we we know for a fact they're coming back. We do. We do indeed. Um, kind of makes you think of uh, what spots are worth looking to fill. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals are certainly. Ah, uh, uh, let me let me walk it back a little bit. In on the shortstop market and in need of a shortstop are two different things. I don't. I'm not confident in saying that the Cardinals are in on anyone, um, because we we saw Edmundo Sosa become. A, well, I become a, a starting major league baseball player with uh with the absence of Paul DeYoung this year, um, but with this massive shortstop free agent class of Trevor Story, Correa, Seager, um, you know I don't I don't know if that's where the Cardinals are really looking to allocate their money, um, in in the off season I feel like Mo's always been more inclined to look for a trade partner versus going for that that free agent, as we know, looking at the last couple of years. Um, and I again, I think there's going to be a lot of pieces on the move. Looking at Oakland, I think this might mean there are uh, there. It's going to get shooken up a little bit. Um, but looking at those spots where we're going to need a little bit of help, um, shortstop's one of them. We've already mentioned that. Um, where we're pretty locked down first, third. The outfield looks like it's uh, pretty much what it's going to be for the time being. Uh, second base with Tommy Edmond. Yeah, he started regularly and slipped a little bit, but, it, I mean, he's nominated for a gold glove. Six of our nine defenders that are starters nominated for a gold glove. We don't have a pitcher, we don't have a shortstop, and we don't have a right fielder nominated. But literally every other position was nominated for a gold glove. Impressive. If you look behind the plate... Yachty's already said he's coming back. It'll be his last hurrah. So then uh, you start looking at the arms. And this year we uh, we weren't really operating with 
more than one to two healthy starters at any given point in time. Yes, next year we're we're you know confirmed we're gonna have Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, um, Dakota Hudson, Hudson. You got another year, Kim, I think. But I think he might be coming off the books. He might be coming because off the books. You you have um, uh, Lester. You're not sure if he's gonna retire or not. He he said he hasn't made it known, and if he's coming back, would you pursue him? Uh, don't know what's going on with Hap. Um, the timing's right for Libertor. Yeah, Libertor. Libertor would, you know, likely be seen in 2022 if, uh, you know, depending on how that shakes out. But it, it, it'd be crazy to think that they wouldn't be looking for, uh, you know, a high end to middle middle of the rotation starter. And then, uh, and then, look, we 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 saw a revamped bullpen. We saw guys like Luis Garcia and T.J. McFarlane um, come and provide one hell of an impact. But y- you know, they need arms. They do, and I I would be here's here's who I'm thinking would be good to come back. Uh, LeBlanc would be good, uh, just as a veteran presence. Wait, bring Wade LeBlanc back. Um, Luis Garcia and T.J. McFarlane, you have to, I think, really go after them. But look at the bigger picture, too, of what's coming off the books. Dexter Fowler's contract is coming off the books. Um, Derek Gould reported that the Cardinals are probably not going to pick up uh, Carpenter, Martinez. That's a, that's potentially right there about $36 million. Plus Fowler's. Plus Fowler. Plus Andrew Miller's coming off the books. Um, you already re-signed Wayno and Yachty to pretty friendly deals. Wayno is going to be a little bit more ch- uh, expensive just because he's had a good, a little bit of renaissance. But you've got a lot of money to spend now. Do you go after someone like Trevor Story in free agency who's been linked to the Cardinals before in trade talks? Do you go uh, get someone like Marcus Simeon, who I think just signed with Boris? So you'll have that. Um, do you go and get someone like Simmons? Or do you go and get... If we get a full DH, if we get the DH back, if we have a universal DH, do you go and get Pujols? Oh, Jesus. That, look, I, I am... Hell, do you even go get Nelson Cruz if we get a universal DH? <laughs> I, uh, man, I'm, I'm a firm believer that from a, from a ticket sales standpoint, the Albert Pujols move makes a ton of sense. Um, from, from a baseball standpoint... I'm, I mean, let's, you know, like, let's not mince words. Like, there's, he doesn't have a ton of value. I mean, you know, he's he's never a guy who's going to, you're going to start him. Um, I think at any given level, um, you you have a cheaper option in AAA to use, uh, you know, in in the DH role if, if that comes to fruition. Nolan Gorman comes to mind. Absolutely. He's he's also just about at the, at, at that age. You know, he's he's been raking in AAA for two years now. Um, I love the machine. I, I, I love him. And, you know, the, the two... El Tio Alberto. Absolutely. The two times he came back to uh, St. Louis, you know, once with the Dodgers and... Um, with the Angels a couple a couple years ago, I mean, it was uh, that was a really important moment in St. Louis sports. But you saw what we were able to do this year uh, against all odds. I don't, you know, I don't know if we need to make uh, be handing out courtesy contracts right now. If you can get him cheap, let's say you can get Albert for less than ten million dollars. Ten million, Jesus. Le- less than ten. I, yeah. 
considerably less than 10. I mean, what about less than 7.5? I mean, what value, let's say the name Albert Pujols is not attached to it. What value do you put on a lefty pinch hit specialist hitting 220? 220 out of a out of a DH role who who can get you 10 to 15 bombs a year like what what price tag would you put on that with the clubhouse presence that that brings which honestly is priceless let let's do let's I'd give him I'd give him at I'd give him at max a five million dollar contract let's say he's not Albert Pujols let's let's just say you have that blind player A and player B what like I here's the thing I think Mo will play this smart and that he'll go get the other pieces he needs to get first. We know Albert is going to be playing in his first Dominican league season um, ever. His first Dominican winter league season ever for uh, a team in his hometown of of Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. And we know that he plans on playing next year. A report came out from uh, Orange County uh, publication that said so. So um, we, we know he'll come back to play. If there's a universal DH, I don't see how the Cardinals don't go and try to do it. And I think it speaks into two, um, the amount of money that you're going to be able to add to your overall budget because the you put butts in seats with Albert and the fact that the Cardinals had the highest TV ratings for local broadcasts and that huge deal that they have with uh, Bally Sports Midwest that is billions of dollars. And... You know, you uh, yeah. End of the day, you do got to sell tickets, and I think if it's going to happen, it'll happen very early in the off season, so they can start getting together the farewell tour for for Pujols, Yachty, and and Albert. Um, you know, I, again, that's something they they would want to uh, have set in stone, so they can have you know they can have the graphics and they can have the radio spots and they can have everything ready by the by the winter warm up. You know, I mean that's. It has its merits. Uh, again, the St. Louis fan in me would love it. Of course, I would. Um, you know, the the wanting the Cardinals to be a, a powerhouse, not competitive, a powerhouse in the NL Central, which they totally should be able to. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if it's the best move, but I don't hate it either. It's it's Albert Pujols. How how could I? There's also the speculation too that uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, would you know you might want to try and go get Max Scherzer to come home, but he wants a multi-year deal. He's 37. He wants at least four years, so he wants to pitch until he's at least 41. Um, are you willing? I don't know if we're willing to go out and do that. No, I uh, I I think. And for the money, he wants too. I think the car. I mean, the Cardinals have got to be players just with the amount of money they you know have to to work with at least um from what we know right now i think the most likely scenario is max at a point in his career where he's he's won everything he can he wants to you know he's trying to get a couple more rings on his finger i i think he stays in la right like i mean the i I can't think of another place that would fork over that kind of money for him other than the yankees they got the cash i think they're going to get out of the bauer money i'm pretty sure they are yeah bauer that's a whole other situation we didn't even cover that in the latest episode of the squeeze because it's just so much and so dirty the bauer saga has been going on for so long um and we're not quite in a position where we we know enough Yet it's it's all been very quiet until he popped up with his video saying he's been racing go karts and 
ordering Uber Eats this whole time? I don't know. Rachel Luba doesn't really associate with Matun anymore. It's all just been pretty quiet. That's a phone call. That's unprofessional. Who's calling? Oh, it's my mom. Oh. Hi, Tyler's mom. Hi, Tyler's mom. Hi, my mom. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, again, I think we, we really have to, you know, to, uh, to focus this in a little bit, I think the Cardinals are, you know, they might look at a shortstop. I think they're definitely going to look to add to the rotation. And every team could use bullpen arms at any given point in time. So they're probably going to look there, too. Um, one more thing, though, before we wrap up Chirp and Chatter. As we, you know, there's a couple different things that we've been speculating on that we've seen. Um, actually, two more things. MLB and the Players Association have had meetings for the CBA, which is good. And we talk about the universal DH. It can only happen in this new CBA with the rule change that they might try to do. And that rule change uh, would be dependent on actually if they can get this passed. They had a meeting earlier this week. They're going to have another meeting tomorrow, the 29th of October. Um, It's good to see Rob Manfred and Tony Clark uh, together on the field in Houston for the World Series talking uh, about a lot of different things that they're looking to get done. Um, Rob Manfred also did something pretty good. He's requiring all teams either uh, pay for housing for their minor leaguers or give them a stipend specifically for housing for minor leaguers that is separate from uh, their pay. And then with the draft, uh, the Cardinals had the first-year player draft back in the summer, and Randy Flores, of course, the director of scouting for the Cardinals, did a really good job of going out and getting a majority of college guys, a lot of them from Southern California, where he's from, a lot of pitching. This is a very pitching-heavy draft for the Cardinals. 19 of the 21 players that the Cardinals drafted ended up signing with the team, and one of the big ones that they were not sure if they were going to be able to get him, but he did, outfielder Joshua Baez from Dexter Southfield School in Boston. I think he's originally from Puerto Rico. One of the bigger name prospects coming out of that draft that the Cardinals were able to get. Um, And then after the draft, the Cardinals signed a few more pitchers and some position players from different colleges. But uh, it shows, number one, good job by the Cardinals to go out there and get a majority of your guys that you drafted signed. And uh, number two, again, it shows uh, with the Cardinals what they are looking for and what they've looked for for a long time, which is mainly college arms. A lot of the arms that the Cardinals have in their organization uh, that they've been bringing up, 99% of them college arms. Uh, But with that, I think, Tyler, that's it for Chirp and Chatter. I believe you might be correct. Dill. Yeah. Welcome back. Hi, Dill. Thank you. I've been editing the lineup for tomorrow's game, so ah. I'm keeping myself busy. Probably Vladimir Tarasenko scored a snipe from Robert Thomas to make it 4-3, and there's two minutes, 18 seconds left to go. Ah, so. And the fucking officials just fucked up an icing call. Cairo, I think he was at least even with his guy at the hash, beat him to the puck, and they called it icing still. Fuck. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. Oh! Big hit? No, Sprigo got slew-footed from a net and no call. Ah, that's dumb. Stupid. You're stupid. Okay, so we are going to move on now. We're going to breeze through some of these next segments real quick so we can get to trivia. 
Um, but now let's do some hashtag Lou basketball. I'll go through this pretty quick because there's not necessarily a lot of new stuff, save for stuff with SLU. First of all, the Billikens made an offer to power forward Brock Weiss out of Blacksburg, Virginia. He's 6'10". That's a tall dude. He's got offers from two other D1 schools, Tennessee Tech and Central Arkansas. Um, SLU also announced a new athletic facility on campus next to the Shea Fitz Arena. It's going to be a $20 million project, and it's going to be called the O'Loughlin Family Champion Center because O'Loughlin is the main donor. And then this was really, really sad news and really just horrible. Um, If you went to Channel 5 to read this news, the picture that they use is the screen grab of this kind of gruesome injury. Um, Javante Perkins, who was supposed to be a star for the Billikens this season, um, is done for the year after a pretty bad ACL tear uh, that was in an exhibition game that was played recently against Rockhurst. Um, That's never good. No, really, really bad news, but you got a couple other guys that are going to really need to step up, Fred Thatch Jr. being one of them, um, to really fill the hole. Javante Perkins, uh, very well, if he played uh, this last year, easily could have gone in the NBA draft. So we don't know what he might end up doing, if he might try to take a, a medical year off and try to come back, or if he might just try to go for the draft. Anyway, it's it's a long, long injury that he's going to need to come back from. Oh, that leg is not supposed to go that direction. No, it's like Steven Souza, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh. it's pretty bad. Um, for Mizzou basketball, Mizzou is starting to play exhibition games. Um, they're getting ready for the start of the year. I think they played Oklahoma State. Um, in an exhibition, uh, but they're getting ready to go. Uh, for Illinois, th- this is kind of old news, but Kofi Coburn's back, uh, decided uh, to come back to the Illini instead of playing for Florida State or Kentucky. And then Ayo Dasunmu was selected number 38 overall for his hometown team, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, hey, I can go see him play. Yeah, we can go, you know. I've never been to an NBA game. Ooh, they're Me fun. either. Yeah, we. I need to go either to Chicago or Let's go to a Grizzlies game. Yeah, bro. Memphis. Head oh, down to Memphis. I love so Memphis. Fun. I love the. I love the barbecue in Memphis. Pull up at FedEx, bro. Absolutely. I love going to Redbirds games, and then like right before that, you go to BB Kings. Oh hell yeah! Well, BB Kings is right next to. It's on Beale Street, and Beale Street's right at the fucking FedEx Forum. Bro, we got to go to Kooky Canucks. Hit that uh like five pound burger. Oh mm. fuck. <laughs> And then, you know, you can go get your great history at Graceland or the Civil Rights Museum. Absolutely. Memphis is a great town. Shout out to Memphis. At, shout out Memphis. Uh, yeah. Thank you for with... having the second highest murder rate compared to St. Louis. Right? Yeah. Or third I, or that, fourth. That's, I, hey, that's skewed and you know it. It is skewed. You you ain't wrong. You wouldn't know what that means, though, because you need help with math. That's okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so skew, <laughs> is that when the thing goes one way <laughs> or the other way? Sure. We'll, we'll keep it as simple as that. Fuck yes. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> ah, a skew. I work in retail. I know what that means. Ha 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 ha. Ah, funny, funny. Free kick. Uh, that's soccer. Um, Josh Sargent, who St. Louis product. He's playing in the Premier League now for Norwich City. Um, that's fun. Uh, and then St. Louis City SC, the stadium's coming together very nicely. Uh, the youth squad is absolutely killing it. Their U17 and U18 squads are straight up slaughtering other teams, which is really fun to see. Um, that's really it for free kick, though. And for we've got a lot to unpack for the greatest show on turf. I will take Mizzou and STL in the NFL 
if y'all want to take Illinois and or the Battle Hawks because there's a lot to talk about with the NFL shit and there's a lot to talk about with great stuff in Mizzou football. Yeah. I'll uh, the Hawks. You, you said you got Hawks? Yeah, I got Hawks. I'll take Illinois. They're blue. All right. All Wait, right. what do we want to start with? Yeah, you go, go, go. Yeah. Uh, here, uh, Dill, go. Yes. Oh, hang on. Okay. Okay. So with the Battle Hawks, um, former Battle Hawks backup QB Taylor Heineke. Now you said? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Has been leading the Washington football team and making himself a bit of a legend. He has. He absolutely has. Um, legend of Taylor Heineke. Absolutely, bro. Uh, fucking. Oh, I didn't butcher his name. No, you hey! got it, Dill. Yo, Dill. Hey. Yeah, hey, that's why we did the Battle Hawks for you because uh, we don't want to call the Illini. <laughs> Is it bad that I can read numbers better than letters? No, that's not bad. That's a very useful skill. I wish I had. Dill went off to school and he learned how to read. I'm very proud of this. <laughs> we need like a ding, 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 ding every time I get a word right. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, we can we can get some sounds hooked up to hey, the board next time. Out of all of us combined, I've had the most head injuries, so this is fair. Hey. That's true. That's probably true. You've probably had more injuries that you've forgotten about with your head than we've had in our <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> oh, we love her, Dill. We love her, Dills. Uh, looking at Illinois, uh, Illinois picked up its highest-ranked prospect for the class of 22 uh, with the commit of number 69 overall, uh, Sean Miller from Bradenton, Florida. Uh, linebacker Jake Hansen uh, is done for the season after a successful knee surgery. Uh, and then so far, uh, play's been pretty bad, not great. Um, but uh, there was a huge upset for the program as it beat number seven Penn State uh, at State College in the Big Ten upset. Uh, went to nine overtimes. Holy shit, bud. Nine fucking overtimes, and uh, they just wore Penn State down. It was fun to watch. That was a really good game. And they did it with less than 100 passing yards. They did it Jeez, all on the Jesus fucking Christ. ground, yeah. Uh, Blues lost, by the way. Ah, fucking cock. Four to three. Here, Tyler, I'll mark it. 114 in the recording. There, there's cock. your intro. Fucking cock. Fucking cock. I got it. Please. Noted. All right. Now let's talk about, uh, we'll do uh, Mizzou football first. Uh, the season has been uh, good and bad. You got wins against SEMO. Uh, you got a win against Central Michigan to open the year, and you beat North Texas. But, dear Lord, in SEC play, you've been absolutely garbage. The The, the Tigers haven't been good defensively whatsoever. They fired uh, their defensive line coach, brought in a new coach. Um, but d- rush defense literally is the worst in D1 football, and that's hard to do. They've been just absolutely atrocious in that regard. You know, you lose to Kentucky, you lose to a ranked team in Texas A&M, you get beat badly by those teams, plus Tennessee, uh, and uh, you lose in overtime to Boston College because you can't stop the rush, and then Connor Bazelak tries to force plays. Um, But thank God for Tyler Beatty, thank God for Harrison Mevis, the thicker kicker, going out there and getting shit done. Tyler almost licked the microphone. That was kind of cool. I came close to it. Quicker picker upper. Quicker picker. The quicker picker upper. The thicker kicker, quicker picker upper. Ooh. Uh, but the the big news that came for Mizzou, this was huge. I literally started jumping up and down when this happened. East St. Louis High School wide receiver, number one wide receiver in the country, a top 10 prospect 
in the United States for football. Luther Burton, a hometown kid, has decided to go and play for the Mizzou Tigers. This is huge. Good for him. Literally the number one wide receiver in the country deciding to stay home, choosing Mizzou over Georgia and Alabama. Uh, it was between three SEC schools. He is the, I believe, the second highest ranked Mizzou recruit in history, uh, in recent history. Five-star wide receiver, and the Tigers go in and they pick him up. Big pickup for Coach Drinkwitz for next year. Uh, you've got, uh, I think, Sam Horn out of Georgia coming in as one of the top 20 uh, or top 10. Uh, it's either top 10 or top 20 quarterbacks in the country. You're getting a couple top 20 O-linemen and D-linemen coming in. It's 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 like if, if Ted Lasso uh, was coaching Mizzou is what it's like with Coach Drinkwitz and getting recruits. He's getting guys to buy in, and it's huge, and I'm so happy that uh, St. Louis is able to pick up uh, St. Louis product, East St. Louis kid, and Luther Burden, who made his decision, by the way, at the Boys and Girls Club in North City, which he played... Tyler, you'll find this interesting. He played football on the field as a kid, the field that back in the day was the field where Sportsman's Park was. Oh shit! No really? way! Yeah, so oh, wow. when they knocked down Sportsman's, it's in a really rough neighborhood of North City. And his dad talked about how he got his kid into football to keep him off the streets. And yep. uh, Luther also played basketball too. And Luther, growing up, that's the Boys and Girls Club now owns the land, and it's just they kept the field, and it's just grass. And he played football growing up on the same field where it was where Sportsman's Park was. Well, that's a feel-good story. Holy shit. Fuck yeah. So you love Aww. that. Good for him and glad that he's coming to Mizzou. And he made his selection at the gym, which is now on the site, in addition to the field. And then, of course, you've got St. Louis in the NFL. And the bullshit that's going on with the lawsuit, um, St. Louis is racking up dubs compared to the NFL in this uh, relocation suit. Um Here's some rundown of just some basic stuff. During a hearing for the Rams relocation suit, a ton of bad info came to light for the Rams. Uh, This is a little bit old, but there was evidence that Rams COO Kevin Demoff gave Roger Goodell talking points about the relocation, all of which were lies. And Goodell used those talking points in a Super Bowl press conference, uh, I think back when it was the Giants and Patriots round two, uh, or maybe it was the uh, Seahawks Patriots. Also, uh, there was a lot more heinous action by the league against St. Louis during the relocation saga. There's a lot more shit going on of shady dealings with uh, Kroenke and Jerry Jones bullying owners into voting for the relocation. And now you've got it that Stan Kroenke is feuding with the other owners. This came out after the most recent owners meeting, the first one in over two years, um, because he doesn't want to honor an agreement that he entered to when he moved the team to LA that stipulated he would have to pay the legal fees of any lawsuit brought to the league and him by the city of St. Louis. And so he's trying to get out of it. And Roger Goodell got so mad at him, apparently at this owner's meeting. Um, it was with him and uh, John Morrow, who's the owner of the New York giants that Kroenke was asked to leave the room. Ooh. <laughs> and apparently, you know, you got Mark Davis getting in on this. Mark Davis just relocated the Raiders from Oakland to Fuck Dan Cronky. Fuck. Sorry. Fuck you, Cronky. <laughs> so you you have that. Um 
And there's a possible settlement that could come out of this. St. Louis ends up getting an expansion team. But I don't know if we would take it knowing what we know now. Um, the I think what I had remember from last night's sports open line with Kevin Wheeler was that it was the original plan was, I believe, the Chargers and Raiders were going to go and the Rams were going to stay. But Kroenke essentially forced his way in to say, no, I'm going. The Rams are going. And then all that shit happened. But that that's essentially what's been going on. There's updates coming out every day. ESPN is finally covering the story. And you know when ESPN is covering it, finally this shit's getting real. So that's what we're seeing right now. Um, with that, guys, I believe it's time for our last segment, Trivia! Trivia question of the week. Let's go. Oh my God! First trivia back in a while. Let's see how uh, loosey goosey the uh, the old the old noggins are. Now, Michael, you uh, write very eloquent, intricate um, uh, paragraphs for your questions, and uh, me and Dill no use words no good. So I think we should probably end with yours because they're like you know nice questions. They're so written. They're written so incredibly well that even though I can't read. They're going to be better than what I written. What I do so is I try to throw you off with the eloquent writing so that way you don't know the yeah, answer. Yeah, I know. Fucking throwing red herrings in your goddamn trivia question, you <laughs> piece when, of shit. When I was playing, I think I was a eighth grader and I was playing double A back home for Chesterfield Falcons. I was with a bunch of high schoolers and my dad comes in and he goes, okay, guys. When we go on these trips, we're respectful. We're going to show integrity. We're going to have responsibility and this guy on our team goes, Coach, you please stop using big words because I have no idea what they mean. <laughs> what, what does integrity mean? <laughs> Responsibility. <laughs> uh, Dill, do you want to go? Uh, do you want to read yours first or me? Sure, I'll read my first. Who wants to go first, Tyler or Michael? Uh, Tyler, you go first. Okay. Okay, for Tyler, who are the new players the Blues have in their 2021-22 lineup that were not in the organization last year? Oh, new players this year? That weren't in the organization. Okay. They weren't minor leaguers with us. Uh, Logan Brown? Yeah? Okay, sure. Yeah, we can count it. I'll count it. No, I mean, like, I don't know. Is is that right or not? Like, yeah, I, that's one of them. Yeah, no, that, we'll count that, it. That's one of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Booch, Booch, Buchnevich, or however the fuck you say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Buchnevich. Uh, there, there's more. Two more, at least. <laughs> there's more. Hey, 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 hey. Fuck. Uh. Oh man. That, uh, that's why I threw the at least in there. Uh, it, what's that one kid's name? Tyler, we just talked about this fucking not even an hour ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, it, it was about a half hour ago. <laughs> what's that? What's that guy's name? Jake. Jake something? Jake? We have a player Neighbors? named... No. He, na- was, he was with us last year in the month, in our taxi squad. Fuck. Um, yeah, you got me there. I don't know, man. Uh, you were right with a J. It was James Neal. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a name I've heard. And Brendan Saad, the former Chicago Black cock. Oh, yeah. I never would have said his name right. Sod. Sod. Sod it. Sod it. All right. Sod it. Uh, Dylan, right, try to get me. Michael. 
which Blues player holds a top five Ironman streak of the NHL? Now, is this current or all time? Yeah, not current. Not current. Yeah, is not it current? Not not a current blues player. Is it J-Bo? Nope. It's not Bo Meester? What the fuck? I thought for sure. Well, I knew actual point if you can guess how many games he played consecutively. It was over a thousand. Nope. Oh, well, I'm fucked. All right, then who is it? How many games? Gary Unger. Unger? Nine hundred. 914 consecutive games played. Fuck, you know what? I fucking knew that. God damn it. Uh-huh. The reason he didn't play 915, he was a health bomb. Fucking. How pissed would you be? Your fucking Iron Man is coming to an end because the coach scratches you. <laughs> That's bullshit. Gary uh-huh. Unger, 914. I did fucking know that. That was in Jeremy Rutherford's book. Mm-hmm. God damn, I read that. Son of a bitch. Now I feel stupid. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, Tyler. Yes. Your questions for Dill and I. All right, Dill. I'm gonna start with you. Uh, Dylan Jason. Um, talking little Cardinals. When did Fredbird become the Cardinals mascot? And I'm gonna give you. This is a really specific one. I'll give you a three-year window in which I will accept your answer. Three-year window. Were any one of us alive when this happened? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. I think all, all of our parents were, though. Yeah, yeah. All the parents were? We actually, like Tyler, I think you and I both know someone who played Fred Bird. Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I met Gritty without, a, with, without his his head on. What the fuck? That's weird. It was very weird. I'm thinking. Okay, so was my mom alive? Do you know how old my mom is? No, that's a, yes. it's inappropriate to ask a lady her age. Yeah, I would I would never ask, but the answer is yes. Your mom was definitely alive. Okay, that guy gives me a window. So was my mom? Uh, yeah, so she was born. Okay, so it's after that. Yes, she had been born. Oh. <laughs> that narrows it down a lot, Dill, doesn't it? <laughs> oh no! I was hoping you said no because that would have helped. Damn it! Um, you got a buffer for three years. Remember that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Shit. Okay. He knows. I'm Shit. guessing. I'm gonna guess. When is Nineteen eighty-five. Oh shit! You were <sighs> look, man. You were close. You were very close to hitting uh, that window. You did not get it. The year was uh, 1979. Oh fuck! You were uh, you were pretty fucking close, man. You were. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking mascots weren't like a thing in the 60s for sure. So yeah, like, uh, the fucking Disney 70s. World was around. Disneyland. Yeah, but they were scary. That's true. They fucking terrified people. Fucking Mr. Uh, Mr. Met looking motherfuckers. <laughs> it's all about the Mets, baby. Let's go Mets. Hit a home run, baby. Let's go Mets. Love Let's the go Mets. Mets. Uh, Michael, who was the Cardinals? And uh, this one, uh, in honor of uh, maybe never having pitchers hit ever again as of next year, maybe. Who was the Cardinals' 2020 leader in pitcher RBIs? And bonus, do you know how many he had? 
I should know this because I wrote this down literally every day. Um, it, it, even though we want it to be John Lester, it is probably not John Lester because his RBIs and home runs came from when he was in Washington. Most of them. I think he hit a home run with us, which would have been hilarious as fuck because John Lester hitting a home run against us is literally one of his career highlights. Um, it wasn't John Gant because he hit like shit. It wasn't Carlos because he barely played. I mean, the obvious answer I have to go with is Adam Wainwright, but I know for a fact if I get it wrong, I think I might know who the actual guy is. So I'm going to lock in with Adam Wainwright. If you were to say Adam Wainwright for this question, you you would be correct. Yeah! How many did he have? Good job. He had a whopping four RBIs this year. Yeah. And uh, right behind him was Jay Flair with three. Uh, Kim and Oviedo were tied with two, and no one else had one. Oh. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I, you know what? If you would have thrown a curveball and said Oviedo was the real one, I would have been like, you know what? That makes sense because he actually was a pretty good hitting pitcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, boys. Ah. Are you ready for my long-winded questions? See. Si. Um, remember, if you are tuning into this and you haven't listened to an episode in a while, my theme for the questions this week was musical artists. So bands and or single composers. With that, who wants to go first? Who wants to feel my wrath first? Bands or composers were sports? Oh, you god damn. Dylan, Apple. did you read the fucking question? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read. What are you talking about? Oh yeah, I forgot. Did you go one oh three four five seven two nine? Yeah, I didn't code. Okay, good. Tyler, do you want to go first or Dill, do you want to go first? I'll go. I'm going second. Okay. Tyler, here is your question. In nineteen fourteen, the St. Louis Blues was released and became a massive hit. The song was covered by the likes of Louis Armstrong and Bing Crosby, and years later inspired the name for the new expansion hockey team coming to St. Louis. The Blues get their name from this song, the St. Louis Blues, and have modeled their logo after a 64th note, which, if I know my music knowledge correctly, isn't actually used in the original song, the St. Louis Blues. This probably would have confused the original composer of the song who passed away nine years before the Blues dropped the puck on their inaugural season. Who was that man that wrote the song, the St. Louis Blues, which the team name is based on? You motherfucker. Oh. Um, I used to think for the longest time this was the song that Frank Cusimano played whenever he does his blues recaps, but it is not. Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Oh, shit, man. Um, Would have been one of the fucking early, early... 1914. Blues. Um, Damn, dude. I don't even... No, no way. Damn, I don't Dill, know. I feel like you might know this just because you've just been so steeped in hockey. Senior year high school, Tyler might have known this. My dad would know it. Uh, I know the Big Dick Jim would know this. Yeah, probably. I don't know, man. Fucking uh, Miles Davis. W.C. Handy. Never heard that name. No, I don't he apparently he was big in like the jazz standards and all that shit, but he wrote that's where it's based off of was his song, the St. Louis blues. And if you actually listen to it, you're just like, Oh, it's just an old ragtime blues song. 
that's named St. Louis. Hmm. Huh. I thought we were based off that song when the blues come marching in. No, we we start singing that song. Um, oh, okay. Which that's based knew, off of knew, the yeah. I knew we were named after the St. Louis Blues. The the yeah. song is uh, a parody of when the Saints go marching in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. That's yeah. Yeah. All right, Dill. Here's your question. Yeah. Again, keep in mind bands and musical artists. The Gas House Gang Cardinals saw so many weird characters and things come to life. From an x-ray of Dizzy Dean's head showing nothing to Pepper Martin's odd fascination with chewing tobacco. Speaking of Pepper Martin, he formed a band alongside fellow Cardinals teammates Bill McGee, Grinchy Bordagari, or Bordagari, uh, Ripper Collins, and Bill Wyland that stayed together through their World Series run and into 1936 when Collins was traded to the Cubs. They'd later have a reunion of that band when the Cubs came to play in St. Louis. The band could play any song, whether they knew it or not, on any instrument handed to them, whether they could play it or not. But it was absolutely terrible, and it completely defined the Gas House Gang, and it was absolutely hilarious. What was the name of that famous band formed from the Gas House Gang? This is in the museum. This is in the Cardinals Museum. This is one of those things that, like, it's like the Dodgers Symphony, where they could play, but that didn't mean they played well. I've never been to the museum, so I'm not. I'm not gonna know. Pepper Martin. It it it, it has to do with something that flows through St. Louis. The fucking. Uh, the Missouri River. Is that your final answer? No, I, I'm just asking. Is that what? It, is that is that the one that flows under the arch, or is that the Mississippi? Dill, this is a geography question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are not a geography pod. I won the geography B in eighth grade. Something that flows seventh grade, not eighth grade. I lost in eighth grade. Something that flows through St. Louis. Is it not the fucking river? No, Dill, you're right. It is a river, but there you need to get the right river. I'll give you half a point river. if you can guess the right it's river. The Mississippi River. It's the Mississippi River. You're right. Half a point to Dylan. They yeah, were called okay. the. Uh, so were they called the Missouri River Otters. They were called the Mississippi Mudcats. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he laughs in anger. Oh. <laughs> Mississippi Mudcats. You you need to look up. There's actual videos of the Mississippi Mudcats, and they are ridiculous. Yeah, they come in wearing fucking straw hats and all that shit. That's fucking. Pepper Martin, I'm pretty sure, has chewing tobacco in his lip the whole time. It's great. Uh, So my theme this week. Don't peek, or you get kid cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, fucking shout out to the random. Ted reference to make it in at the very end. Hey, Holy shit. You fucking hey. You got it. I should give out points for all the references you guys can get. Oh my fucking god. I, I will be, I will be randomly shouting them out. Uh, I My theme this week for the boys was musical artists slash composers. Next week, it's a very simple theme. 50. 5 okay. zero, 50. My theme is going to be... Hey, I can actually read that. Thick Boys. Thick Boys? Yeah. Jim Edmonds. 
Final no. answer. No, I, I I know where I'm going with this one. You'll love it. Dwayne Young. Or Dimitri Young. Bennington. <laughs> what did you say? 50? Damn, boy, he's thick. <laughs> boy, about thick as hell. Did you say fifty or fifteen? I fifty five zero. Oh, okay. A reminder: yours is a baseball question, Bill. Thick boy Benner. I hear the pain <laughs> in his lack of a response. Uh, I, I, I'm actually gonna make it up. This question just to give me some confidence. It's okay. This one I think you could be able to get very easily. I know Tyler would probably get it. Don't assume. You know what they say about assuming. It's not. It's not honestly one of the easier questions I've ever written. Tyler, you too. Oh boy. Uh, actually, Tyler, I don't know about you, but Dill, I know you get Tyler's right off the bat, so you could steal. Oh man. Oh. But uh, <laughs> boys, I think with that. This might be the end of the episode. I think we have come to the end of the road. It's been a fantastic journey. I keep talking over Dill, and I'm so sorry. If you were in person, I would not do this. But I cannot see your lips moving, those those big, beautiful Jason lips. Um, Tyler's got to think for your lips, Dill. It's a little weird. Did I make it weird right at the end? Yes. Am am I going to keep rolling with it? Most likely. Uh, I do want to thank all of the beautiful people who listened to episode 22 of Hatties and Homers today. Um, we we thoroughly enjoy being your local sports podcast for the Lou. We're glad to be back. A quick shout out to KWRH for letting us use their studios. KWRH, KWRH 92.9 FM. Check them out on Instagram at KWRH 92.9. Or online, kwrh929.org or radiostl.com. Absolutely. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Uh, listen to us wherever you find your podcast. And once again, thank you for listening. My name is Tyler. With me, I have the lovely Michael Langston and the salacious Dylan Jiason. Uh, we bid you adieu. Bye. Bye. Bye.